But I just want to remind you of what a good God we serve. If you woke up this morning, your name went in obituary, you got something to sing about. You, you got something to thank God for, don't you? I don't know if you've got an idea of a hard God, a, a distant God, a difficult God. I don't, maybe you've tried to picture him as you picture your father. Can I, I just, again, can I remind you, God is good. The psalmist said, I will sing for the Lord, to the Lord, because he's been good to me. God is a giving God. I don't, he's not a God up in heaven with a tight clenched fist that wants to keep things from you and just say, well, you got to perform. You better get it right. You didn't do that. I'm, I, no, 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 no. He's a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave. He, he, he wants to give. If an earthly father knows how, this is what the gospel said, if an earthly father knows how to bless his children, how much more will a heavenly father give to those who ask? He wants to, he wants to be Get generous with us. So here's what it says. For the Lord is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold to those who walk uprightly. In the Old Testament, it describes him as El Shaddai. That's the God of more than enough. He's not El Chipo. He's, he's not just barely. No, no, no. He wants to give you more than enough. He wants to give you all you need for life and godliness. He's so gracious. While we were yet sinners. While we were rebellious and hard and difficult and challenging, God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. He's, he's abundant in love. He takes our sin and throws them as far as the east is from the west. He wants us to experience abundant, overcoming, victorious life. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He offers us peace. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I have. Where you're going through a challenge, a difficulty where you didn't know how you are going to make it, and you offered it to God in prayer, and a supernatural, unexplainable peace overcame you and overtook you and helped you get through it. He, 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 just, he fills us with his love. He sustains us with his grace. He empowers us with his presence. The psalmist said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I, I like the picture as I'm walking along, and surely goodness and mercy are coming after me. They, they are pursuing me. And some of you think that God's done with you. God's fed up with you. I'm telling you, you're wrong. He is on a passionate pursuit for you and a relationship with you. He, he's faithful to his commitment. He's not going to quit on you. He's not going to give up on you. He's good. He's giving. He's generous. He's gracious. He wants to bless you and fill you and fulfill you and satisfy you and protect you and to empower you and to provide for you. He wants to set free all those who call him Lord. And there's a way to align yourself. There's a way to get yourself in a position where you can receive God's best for your life. God has given us a means by which we can know his favor and in an increasing measure. He's provided for us a manual, a book, a love letter, an instruction guide so that we might experience the life that we were created to live. I, I, I've told you before, but I'm not real handy and I'm not real patient. So fixing anything is a real challenge around my house. And right now we have our front door locked. You, if you lock it, you can't get it unlocked. And so it's driving. The kid, Micah missed the bus one day because we couldn't get the door unlocked. And Angie, my wife, has been on me. Just get the thing fixed. And so I put a pair of pliers by the front door because if you'll get a pair of pliers, you can turn it if you fix it, if you turn it just right. And it's not enough for her, though. She wants me 
to go and buy, I don't understand her. She wants to go and buy a new lock. And this is what I know. I, if it takes more than a hammer or a screwdriver, I'm, I'm, I'm like a golf ball in high weeds. I'm lost. It's, and, and then I hate reading the instructions. So not only am I, I just, it's just a bad fit. So I know what will happen. One of the reasons I've put it off so long is because I'm going to get that. I can get it out because a hammer can get anything out. I'm just not going to be able to get it back in. And there's going to be, instead of a lock that won't turn, there's going to be a hole in my front door that birds are going to fly through because my, and you, and you know, I, I kind of laugh about that and joke about that. And, and not reading directions it might work in a lot of things, but it won't work in life. The author, the creator of life has given us a manual that we're to live by so that we can enjoy life, so we can position ourselves in, in a way where God can pour out his blessing upon us. And here's what Joshua said, don't let this book of law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything that's written in it. So what? So you will be prosperous and successful. God's got, he wants you prosperous, he wants you successful, it begins by hearing and following and reading and listening to the Word of God. Have some of you, you heard some of these maybe about warnings on products. They, they give these warning labels and these, these things not to do. And so I pulled a few out. This is a sun shield for a car. On the back of it in the corner, a little warning label says, do not drive with sunshade in place. And so, you know, that's kind of silly. Why would they even put that on there? But this might even be worse. On the hairdryer, on the cord, on the little warning sign, it says, do not use while sleeping. So no drying your hair while you're asleep. Don't do that. That could get you in a lot of trouble. Here, here's one. This drill on the warning label, no lie, this product is not intended to be used for dental work. And so thank God for that. I'm so relieved that... That, that I'm not going to use that. Here's another thing. Children's cough syrup. Children's cough syrup on the back. Do not drive or operate heavy equipment while taking cough syrup. So Micah, if you take this, five-year-old Micah, don't get on that big tractor and don't, don't drive around the house because it could get you. And this is my favorite. Probably this is a Superman outfit. And on the cape, it says, wearing this garment does not enable you to fly. Unlike these warnings, the Word of God gives us some warnings and some, and some truth that, that's going to help us. Here, here's our key text and where I want to focus on today, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture, all Scripture from beginning to end, it's inspired by God. One translation says it's God-breathed. God, the, the authors of the Bible wrote it as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true. And there's so much false going on today. There's so much junk going on. We need to know what's true. Well, how do I find out what's true? Well, can I trust CNN? Can I trust Fox News? Who do I trust? I tell you, the Word of God is the only thing we can trust. And to make us realize what's wrong in our life. Not wrong in the world necessarily, not wrong in everything else. And that's why the Word of God is so personal. It helps us realize what's wrong in our life. The Word of God is to be used as a mirror to reflect what's in our heart and to make the necessary adjustments that are needed. That's why God's given us the Word. It straightens us out and teaches us to do 
what is right. God's word is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing. And that's why I took a few moments at the beginning to tell you how, God, how good God is, because God wants to do something good in your life. He doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to harm you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you for every good thing God wants to do, for God wants us to do. The purpose, the, the, the Bible is for people that realize that they don't have all the answers. It's for people like me that don't want to waste my life, but want to invest my life in something that matters. The Bible is, is for people that, that understand they're not smart enough to chart their own course. They're not wise enough to lay out their own path. They don't want to be controlled by their passions or ruined by their decisions or victims by, victimized by their circumstances. The Bible was written for people who want their relationships to be better and their direction to be clearer and their future to be brighter. It was written for people who acknowledge Jesus as their Savior and their Lord as their Creator and the Holy Spirit as their teacher. It was meant to be a, a manual and instruction guide to us to come under and adhere to so that we could experience the good things that God wants to do in our life. We're, we're in a series called Explore God. And for the last five weeks now, we've been trying to answer some spiritual questions that people might be asking. And last week, I thank God for Mark Mason and his life. He's one of my dearest friends, and I just love his humility. I love his passion for for the, 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 God, the incarcerated church. I love what he's doing. And I appreciate his willingness to share with this congregation last week on Is Jesus God? And I've heard nothing but, but good things and, and what happened. Today I want to talk about, is the Bible reliable? Can I trust it? Can I live by it? Can I, can I, put my, my, can I base my decisions on it? And Time Magazine asked the same question. Thing. Several years ago, they came out with a cover in Time Magazine that just asked the question, is the Bible fact or fiction? Is it, is it truth or reality? Can I trust it? Should I live by it? And this is what I want you to know about the Bible. The Bible is the best-selling book in, in, in the history of the world. It, it's really 66 different books wrapped up in one book. 27 books in the New Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament. It was written by 40 different authors with 40 different personalities and 40 different professions, really. There was politicians, statesmen, farmers, shepherds, peasants, musicians, poets. Uh, uh, even a tax collector wrote one of the books in the Bible. They, the Bible was written in different places. Moses was in the wilderness. Jeremiah was in the dungeon. Paul was in prison. John was exiled on the island of Patmos. It was written on, in 13 countries, in three different continents, in three different languages, covering numerous topics. You want to know how to handle money? It's in God's Word. You want to know how to save and spend and give? The truth is found in God's word. You want to know about relationships? It's found in God's word. You want to know how to be a better, you want to know how to honor your husband and, 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 and cherish your wife? It's in God's word. You want to know how to get along with your boss? You want to know how long to build a friendship? You want to know how long to make the most of your relationship with your neighbor? It's in the Bible. You, you, want, to, you want to overcome some negative emotions like you need peace or joy or security or you need to know you're valued or... Are you important? It's in the Bible. You want to know about eternity, heaven or hell? 
It's in the Bible. You want to know about cats? It's in the Bible. Not really. Demons and devils are in the Bible. Same thing. So you, you just, <laughs> just want to know if you're still with me. Just making sure you're, like, here, here's the Bible's claim that it generates life, that it creates faith, that it produces change. The Bible says that if you'll read it and adhere to it, it'll build your character and transform your circumstance. It'll impart joy and overcome adversity. It'll help you defeat temptation and infuse hope and release power. And it will beat back the devil in your life. Uh, Denny Duran tells a story of, of uh, he's a, 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 it comes from a line, a, a just rich Italian background. And his grandmother, they'd moved her to the States from Italy. And, and she didn't speak a, a, a nothing of English. But one Christmas, they bought her a big old Bible. And, and they were just thinking they were, she would put it on the coffee table. It would be a source of conversation for friends that might visit her or, or be with her. And, and so thought it was a great gift, and they came back the next Christmas, and the Bible was wore out. The, 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 the binding was tore up. Pages were falling out. And they go, Grandma, what? you don't even read English. What are you doing with that Bible? And she said, I wake up every morning, and I beat the devil with the Bible. I just, I just walk around the house driving out demons in Jesus' name. And, 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 and I tell you, the Bible declares itself that it, that it, I don't know if you can use it to beat him back, but you can use the content of this to push him back and to get him out of your situation and get him out of your life. But the question is today, can I trust it? Is it fact or fiction? Is it reliable? Is it trustworthy? And so how do we know? What questions do we need to ask? Here's one. We need to look at the historical accuracy of the Word of God. And, and well, why would we even do that? Because to authentic. To make anything authentic, this is what they do. And, and they'll first go to eyewitness accounts. Is, is the history that's written that we're studying, is it given by the people who were there? Or is it second, third, fourth hand generation uh, passed down? Uh, concerning the Bible, most of the Bible was written by eyewitness accounts. Moses wrote the first five books in the Bible. One of the stories he wrote was when the Red Sea planted, uh, parted. He didn't hear it from his grandfather or his grandfather's father. He was there. He saw it. Joshua wrote the book of Joshua. He told us about the walls of Jericho. He was there when they fell down. The disciples were in the upper room when Jesus resurrected from the grave and he came back in his resurrected body and said, Thomas, put your fingers here. Put your hand here. It, the, the epistle of John, John wrote uh, three three letters towards the latter part of the New Testament. And he said at the, in the opening book, the opening chapter, he said, hey, we didn't get this from, from people just telling us. We, we saw it. We heard it. We experienced it with our own life. Here's what Peter said. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty, we, we were there. You, when you think about the historical accuracy, you've got to, you've got to take into consideration how people handled, handled the manuscripts or how was the Bible translated. So, so the Bible over all these years has been obviously translated. How did that, how did that, well, in the initial manuscripts, they're called scribes. They're the ones that that, that put it so we could under so back in that day they could understand it and read it and think about it. And one of their deals was they took such extreme caution to make sure it was right. So if, and I'm just bringing up, I'm just, I don't know if these numbers are accurate, but they would know how many A's are in the Old Testament. How many Hebrew A's were in the Old Testament. And they would get done 
transcribing it and, and, and copying this manuscript so they could pass it along. And they, could have, they didn't have printing presses back then, so they, could, so they could send it around to different people. And if they went back and edited it and found that there were 1,601 A's, they would throw it away. They would, they would get rid of it. In, in 1947, there was a guy that discovered what has been known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. If you're familiar with that, well, what's that all about? In 70 AD, the Romans were on a quest to rid the world of Christianity. And so there was so much opposition to the Christian world that the Christians took the the manuscripts of Scripture and they put them in vases and they hid them in a cave. And thousands of years later, this shepherd that was wandering around found these things and pulled them out. And so the Dead Sea Scrolls were the were the oldest manuscripts that, that we have of the Bible. And they were and the next oldest is a thousand years uh, since the Dead Sea Scrolls. I hope I'm making sense. So they would lay these Dead Sea Scrolls and the manuscripts of a thousand years later and they found out that they were there was less than five percent difference in the two manuscripts. The only difference was was the spelling of names. That's what that's what made the difference. And and even People, ungodly people, but people that know history, they will look at that and say that that is one of the greatest ways that we can authenticate the accuracy and the history of Scripture. If you look at the book of Acts, Luke didn't write about places that were just made up or imaginary. No, he wrote about 54 cities, 39 countries, and and nine different islands that are real places where you could go and visit today. Historically, the Bible has been proven to be accurate. Here's another thing I want you to think about, the scientific accuracy. In, in, ni- in 1492, I think that's it, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Isn't that right? That's the song we used to sing. And, and he thought, he was the only one that thought the world was round. And he got it from the Word of God. From that time, till that time, everybody thought the world was flat. And if you would sail, you'd fall off the edge of it. 2,600 years before Columbus said the world is round, in which it proved to be true, Isaiah wrote, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. The word circle means sphere or globe. It's where we get the word globe. So what, what Christopher Columbus came to be true in 1492 was true 2,600 years before that because Isaiah carried along by the Spirit of God wrote the Word of God, which is scientifically accurate. Here's, a, here's, another, here's another thing. In, in uh, 150 B.C., the scientist said there were 1,022 stars. He said he went out one night on a clear night, and he was able to count 1,022. 150 years later, a guy came out, another astronomer. He came out and said, that guy was wrong. There's not 1,022, there's 1,026 stars. He missed four stars. Today, we cannot count the number of stars. Every time they come out with a bigger telescope, we find different galaxies and different stars. They should have just looked at the Word of God because at the, the oldest book in the Bible, Job 26, 7 says, He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends them from nothing. Here's what Jeremiah says about the stars. The stars of the sky cannot be counted. They, 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 they can't be counted. If you look at the prophetic accuracy. And I'm, I'm no scientist. I'm no, and then you know what this is called? It's called apologetics. I'm no apologeticist. Is that even a word? 
I'm a pastor that loves God's word and wants you to excel in your life. That's what I want. And this is what I found. The prophetic accuracy is, here, here's one. In, in 700 B.C., Isaiah prophesied that a guy by the name of King Cyrus would rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Here's the only problem. Nobody knew of a King Cyrus, and Jerusalem was fully built, and the temple was fully standing. A hundred years later, Nebuchadnezzar comes in into rule, and he tears down the temple, and he destroys Jerusalem. Sixty years later, a Persian king by the name of King Cyrus comes into rule, and he gives the Jews permission to go back and to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city. A hundred and sixty years before, I mean, that's not... That's not like, uh, let me just spout something out of my mouth. That's something that's got, if you look at the life of Jesus, there are over 300 prophecies that have been proved accurate in his life. From where he was born to, to how he lived. David prophesied about the crucifixion before crucifixion was even a way, even a means of punishing people. There, there, there's scientific history, there, I mean accuracy, there's historical uh, accuracy, there's prophetic accuracy, but here's probably what blesses, or I don't know, blesses is the word, helps me the most, is just the practical accuracy. It works. The Word of God works. I can't tell you the number of people that I've, that I've had to deal with and, and what, talk off the cliff because they're so encumbered by debt. Their marriage is so strained. They, they've, they've be, they, they become bound by a credit card and the, and the way that it encompasses. When the word of God just says, it, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. Don't let any debt remain outstanding, but the debt to love one another. The Bible has let us know how to live stress-free when it comes to our money. I wish I had a dollar for every time a mom told me concerning their teenager, he just got in the wrong crowd. Why, sure, that's what the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good morals. You don't choose if you're going to be influenced or not. You just choose who influences you. It's spelled out in God's Word. How, how many marriages have been ripped apart by infidelity? How is our, how, our culture is spinning out of control because of immorality. You know what the Bible says? Flee from all sexual immorality. Here's what the culture says. You need to have an affair. You can do whatever you want. And then when you fall and mess up, they, 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 they ridicule you and, 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 and say what a... They say do it, and then when you do it, they, they come against you. The Bible says flee from all sexual immorality. Because there's something about sexual sin. It's not worse than... But it is different, and it causes more chaos in a society, and it causes more problems in a home. Because you were bought with a price, Paul said, therefore honor God with your body. I, I can't tell you even this week how I've gotten in trouble over my tongue because I've said something too fast, or I've spoke without thinking, and quit looking at me like that because you do the same thing. And the Bible says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in building others up. If we were to set a guard, O oh Lord, over the doors of my lip, keep watch over the doors of my mouth. I mean, if we prayed that and we lived by that, can you imagine the heartache and the pain and the, and the confrontation we could avoid? 
The Bible, it works. It works. Somebody asked a well-known Christian leader if he was stuck on a desert island and he could only have one book, what book would you choose? And we're thinking, well, I'm sure he's going to say the Bible. He didn't say the Bible. He said, I would want the book entitled Shipbuilding for Dummies. Because if I'm on a deserted island and I'm trapped, I want to get home. I need to know how to build a ship. The truth is we're all trapped. We're trapped in patterns of thought and behavior that leads to death. We live in a culture that is ungodly and unchristlike. And we need, we need a means. We need a way. We need a resource that will align our hearts with God. A letter from our creator that will help us to know how life is meant to be lived. So what do I do? Here's what you do. Thanks for asking. Accept its authority. Here's the most important question you'll answer in your life. Who's going to be my final authority? Who who am I going to look to for every answer that I'm asking? Every question, you don't answer every question that I'm asking. Who 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 is going to And here's here we get ourselves in so much trouble because We're basing our final authority on things that have no business being our final authority. We base our decisions on culture. Well, what what is everybody else doing? We base our our decisions, our final authority oftentimes becomes our feelings. I'm telling you, your feelings will will take you down a path you don't want to go. I wouldn't be here today if I went by feelings. Because when that alarm clock went off this morning at 5 a.m., there was a breeze blowing. We left our windows open last night. And there was a breeze. I mean, the sheets were the perfect temperature. I flipped my pillow over, and it was just right. And my body was screaming to me, stay in bed. Don't get up. Don't, don't just, just lie here another hour. You'll be okay. If we go by feelings, we... We, can't, we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. Here's the reality. There is a way which seems right to a man, but it ends in death. I, I know better than God. I know what I ought to do. I know what I should do. I know what the culture is doing. It leads in destruction. The, the story of JFK Jr., you remember 1999, he was killed in a plane crash? And what happened was he was on his way, personal plane, piloting it. He was on his way to a family wedding when he came across some bad weather. It was storming, it was foggy, it was raining. He couldn't see. And, he, and at that time, a pilot is taught to trust your instruments, that they won't lie to you, that they will get you safe to your destination. He wouldn't, they did all kind of research. They went back and investigated. There was no mechanical failure. JFK Jr. would not, he, he refused to listen to the instruments. He thought he knew better. He wanted to go by his instinct, and his instinct killed him. I'm telling you, you say, well, just trust your heart. That's the, that's the dumbest thing you can say. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can trust it? You've got to have, you've got to have, a, you've got to have something you can trust. If you're going to be as successful as a believer... You've got to look into the trustworthy navigation equipment that God's offered rather than trust your own feelings or your own idea. You've got to answer the question, is God going to be the final authority in my life? Am I going to trust him or am I going to trust what I think, what other people are doing, what other people are saying? Here's how Paul said it. 
don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, to its philosophy, the world meaning its philosophy, its ideas, the way it thinks, the way it responds. Don't conform to that. And I'll tell you, it's trying to conform you. Every day there's pressure to conform to its, its image and to conform to its way of thinking. And Paul's warning us. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, man, you got to know this world and its ways. It's trying to shape you in its mold. But don't allow it to conform you. But be transformed. You, you can either be conformed or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test. Then you'll be able to prove what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. God has a good will for you. God has a perfect plan for you. God has a desire for you. But it won't be found chasing your feelings or following your emotions or living according to the culture. It'll be found as you follow the written word of God. You've got you to accept its authority. Here's another thing you've got to do. You've got to make it a part of everyday life. We just can't talk about it. We've got to study it. We've got to... We got to read it. We, we've got the word of God available, but we're not, we're not spending time in God's word. I'm, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm, I'm exhorting you. If I could beg you, I'd beg you, raise it, elevate its importance in your life. I have an uncle that he will not do anything. He'll not open up a newspaper, check his emails, go to Facebook, catch the latest scores. He won't do anything till he opens up the word of God and allows it to speak to his heart. Elevate its importance. Make, we, say it's, it, we say it's our foundation that we build on, but we've got to elevate it and, and, and read. have a plan. 15 minutes a day, three chapters a day, you can read the entire Bible through. I'm not saying that's your plan. I'm saying if that's what you want to do, do it. Read a chapter a day. Read, read a book. Uh, here's what somebody told me they're doing. They've taken Philippians. It's four chapters. And they read Philippians every day and they read it for 30 days. I'm telling you, that is going to transform their life. It, it's going to make a difference in their heart. Get a translation you like. And there's different kinds of... It, why do we... And here's a question people use to, to diffuse that the Bible, that we can trust it. Because there's so many translations. Why do we have so many if, if, if there's... Because the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in, in, in Hebrew and Greek. And so in 1611, the first English Bible was, was done under King James. And, and back then they said these and thous and thuses. And so if you read the King James Bible, it's King James grammar. It's King James talking. It's that. And, and, and so... So, and there's other, and that's kind of, the, the way that was translated was, was word by word. That's how they translated that. There's another type of translation where they translate thought by thought. And it's just putting it more in our vernacular and more in our understanding. They take the, the, the same, the same uh, responsibility. And then, and then there's another, they call it a paraphrase version. It's the living Bible or the message where this guy was traveling back and forth to work on a regular basis. He wanted to redeem his time, and he wanted a Bible his kids could understand. And so every day he would read a passage of Scripture, and he would translate it, or par- not translate it, he would paraphrase it into a dialect or a conversation piece that his kids could understand. 
So I'm just, there are times where I read the children's Bible, where I'll read a, a Bible that's translated word by word alongside a paraphrase so that it can just, I can just understand it better. There is no shame in that. And I encourage you to do that. Here's kind of the different, here's the King James Version. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our life. And, and that's, that is not the King James. I, I, I've given you, the, given you the wrong text. You just got to believe me on this one. Or you can look at yourself. If you look at, you just see they just change a little bit, but they, they still pretty much say the same thing. I think all I'm trying to say is get a version that you can understand. Get a study Bible, full life stu- study Bible, uh, life application Bible. Maxwell even has a leadership Bible. And it'll have the scripture, and then underneath it'll have some, 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 some things that you can. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. And, and we'll help you. And I don't want to sound, uh, here's what I wouldn't do. Don't start at the beginning necessarily. And please don't start in Leviticus. And, and somebody told me they started in the book of Job because they needed a job. And it had nothing to do with Job. And I said, it's not the book of Job. It's the book of Job. And don't start there. You don't. You just don't want to start there. You want to go to the book of John or one of the Pauline epistles, which is in the New Testament. You want to. You want to get a plan. And all I'm saying is just get it. Can I just, can I encourage you again with this, that we, we push right now media. And it's a, it's a resource that we have paid for. Your tithe is paid for to help you. You go to CloverdaleAG.org under resources, and it will. And let me give you a picture of it if it will come up. It might not come up. This thing's acting up on me. And it, right now media, there's thousands of resources that you can tap into. I use it for Micah every night. We, there's a children's uh, queue that you can go to, marriage queue. There, there's whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're up against, you can, you can find it there. And I encourage you to go there. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just, I, just, I don't want us to talk about the word. I, I, don't want us to, I don't want us to tell everybody how bad they are. I, I, I want us to be people of the word. I just want you to be, Sunday morning's not enough. You need a steady diet of God's word. And I'm reminding myself today because there are seasons where I get off track. And maybe this morning you're on one of those seasons. And I'm not here to condemn you and God's not here to make you feel bad. I just want to encourage you to get back on track. To get back with it. Let's go. Hey, today's a new day. And God's faithfulness is new every morning. So here's what people say. Well, I haven't read it in so long and now... And now if I start reading it, it's not just going to feel like the right motives. Who cares what motives are in? Just read it and allow it to transform and change your life. And the last thing, not the last thing, here's the right now media thing. One of the things we got to do is remember it. Can I, can I, I here's what they say. You're going to forget 95% of what I tell you by Wednesday morning. That is so discouraging. Because I've taken a long time to prepare this message. And by Wednesday morning, you're going to forget 95% of what I've said in the scriptures we've talked about. It's so important that you, that you memorize God's word. And the more you use it, the more you memorize it, the, it, the, the, the easier it will become. But here, here's, I don't know a lot about old time warfare, but I've watched Braveheart enough times to know how they fought. And they would use fiery darts. You ever seen that? Fiery arrows. And they would, fiery arrows were meant to be used from a distance. And they would stand a great distance and they would pull back on, on the string or on the, 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 
the weapon, however it went, and they would send these fiery darts across the field, and it would, it would fall on these men and catch on fire, and everybody get messed up. The Bible says we're in a war, and it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against, it's against principalities and powers. And the way that the enemy fights is with fiery darts. You know, he's a coward. He doesn't fight up close. He stands at a distance and he, and he hails and he sends these, these fiery darts of accusation and condemnation and deceit and lies. You know why he stays so far away? Because he knows he's no match for a spirit-filled, uh, Bible-believing Christian that's standing on the Word of God. And so in a cowardice-like fashion, he pulls back these lies and he jumps behind his, his protection that he could make it. You know what our weapon is according to the word of God? It's a sword. Again, I don't know about old time. I just, I just watched Braveheart and a sword is about two or three feet long. And a sword, you don't shoot from a, you don't shoot it from a distance. You're up close and you're, and you're personal. It's like hand-to-hand combat. You know why you need the word of God? Because Satan is going to send those arrows of accusation. He's going to tell you, you're, you're, you're not going to make it. This is going to This situation you're in right now is going to prove fatal in your life. And you need to take out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and say, Satan, you're a liar. I love God. I'm caught according to His purpose, and He's causing all things to work for my good today. Some of you are battling temptation, and you can't get through it. And the enemy is, he's back there shooting off those, you're going to die. You're never going to get free. You're never going to be able to control your tongue. You're never going to be able to be whatever and whenever and however. And you need to be able to stand with confidence. You need to be able to stand under the power of God's word and say, no temptation has taken me, but such is common to man. And God is going to be faithful to make a way of escape for me. And then listen, devil, in fact, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And Jesus freed me on the cross 2,000 years ago, and I'm going to walk in freedom regardless of what you say or what you portray. we got to have the Word of God in our lives. And it's not enough for me to quote it for you. you got to be immersed in it so you can defeat the enemy. You can defeat the enemy. Here, here's the last thing. It's... Uh, Put it into practice. Maybe, maybe the most important thing. If I, if I, could, if I could tell you to do a Pastor, tell me one thing. Just tell me one thing that I need to do that will help me be successful. That will help me live a, live a godly life. That will make a difference. And, and I'm asked that. And I've thought about it. Well, become more generous. If you're generous, you're going to impact and affect a lot of people. Come more, become more missions-minded. I mean, if you'll get a world vision things will change. Be a better parent because if you'll parent right, then the next generation will raise up. And I thought of everything I could say, but you know, the truth is what, what I would say if you asked me, Pastor, give me one thing that I can do to help me be successful and, and to fulfill the purpose for which I was created. You know what I'd tell you? I would tell you to read and study and listen to God's word. In the light of the fact that it's your final authority and with the intent to obey it and follow it and live by it. If you'll do that, you'll know the joy of generosity. 
If you'll do that, you'll experience peace through prayer. If you'll do that, you'll enjoy the rewards of righteousness. If you'll do that, you'll reap the rewards and you'll make a difference of having an attitude and living by actions and speaking the truth that will make a difference. Here's here's what Timothy said, and I want us to read it together. Will you read it with me? All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants to do. Amen, everybody? Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me.